Um, so we're going to look at Matthew uh, chapter 24 today. And uh, there's a lot that goes on inside of Matthew chapter 24. We're going to be finishing a series, Come Walk With Me. Uh, I know a few of you may have been away, but we've been talking about how God always speaks to us. He's always present with us. He's walking with us day in and day out. Come walk with me and I'll show you things that you do not know. I will show you great and wonderful things beyond your expectation. And we were talking about how in times God will take us from one place, will deliver us out of one place in order to go across the river to our place of promise and destiny. And then there's other times where God, he, just through the promise of his presence that he says, I'm with you, you're going to face some alarming things, but do not lose heart, for I am with you, and I've overcome the world. Amen. So we're looking at chapter 24, and we're going to see, uh, as we go to read this passage, that there's a lot that's been happening. Jesus is talking about the coming kingdom. He has not yet been crucified. He has not yet ascended to heaven, right? He hasn't been resurrected, and so he's talking about the kingdom, but he's also warning his followers that there are some things that are coming, some things down the line. But he doesn't want them to get distracted by those things that are going on. And I think this part of scripture, it's my hope, it's my prayer that as, you know, you turn on the news, which I actually try not to do, but when you turn on, you see all the craziness, the turbulent things happening in the world in Afghanistan and other places, and you can become, you know, alarmed by what's happening. And so uh, Isaiah, thank you for that prayer. It is my prayer also that you will take exactly what it is that you need to hear this afternoon. I come to you like Paul. I come with you with much fear and trembling uh, this afternoon, just out of this reverence that God's word would speak more so than my own personal thoughts on the matter. And so right in uh, chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, and leading up to this, Jesus has talked about how he wishes that he could take his people, his, his chosen people under his wings, cover them like a mother hen and protect them from what awaits them. But many times they wouldn't heed the word and the voices of the prophets and the messengers that he sent. And so now they've come to this place, this season and time where the priests those entrusted by, by God, the Pharisees, to be light to the world, instead of being a light, they have hidden that light. They've hidden the city on the hill, and they've been focusing on self. They've been, he, he calls them the greedy, the ignorant, the whitewashed tombs. They say, do this, but they don't do it themselves. And so right in chapter 24, he talks about the destruction of the temple. And so it says here, right in verse 1, as Jesus left and was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. He replied to them, do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left here, one another, that will not be thrown down. And while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, tell us, when will all these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus replied to them, watch out that no, no one, none of you are deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. 
for nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. So just remember that statement, labor pains. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many far away, or many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And moving on to verse 29, immediately after the stress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away away. Wow. There is a lot going on, right? I'm going to do something that our Bible school prof said, never do this. (laughs) I'm going to ask you, be a little interactive. What are some things that popped up in your mind as you heard this passage? Wars. Lawlessness. Sounds like now. What's that? Observant? Looking out for self? Deception. Oh, yes. Anybody else? It's amazing when you read through this, you can't help but see yourself in the scene. Right? And you turn on the news and you see what's going on in the world. Afghanistan isn't anything new. It's just a new chapter in all these wars and rumors of wars and all of these things that take place like labor pains. And as I turn on the news, I have to admit, I was alarmed when I saw especially things happening in Afghanistan. I thought, my God, those, those poor people. The, you know, when you, you remove the shield, you know, evil moves in and begins to strike. And you think of all the children, the image of that child being lifted over the barrier to one of the soldiers. In fact, one of those young soldiers, a young 23-year-old female Marine who had safeguarded one of those children ends up losing her life in that air, uh, air raid or that attack on the airbase. Just shows this crazy, this alarm that's going off. And, you know, I think about the comfort of my own bedroom when my alarm goes off in the morning, you know, and first it startles you and sometimes you ignore it, you turn off, maybe go back to sleep. But I'm so thankful that we don't live in a war-torn place like Afghanistan. 
And yet Jesus, as he's talking to the Jewish people, he's telling them there is somewhat a time of peace that they're experiencing. There is Roman occupation. It's not their own government that's in control. It's kind of a facade. But he's saying the day is coming when all this will happen. But do not be alarmed. And then I couldn't help but become a little more introspect and looking at this passage and realizing, well, one day this is going to apply to us too. Right now, all this upheaval, this, this language later on where Jesus starts talking about that you'll see the, 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 the sun darkened and the stars falling from heaven, that language in the Bible spoke about just a, a, a big turnover of social and political upheaval. And you look in our own landscape and you see the division from politics and, you know, conservative, liberal, and all these different things. And yet we haven't gotten to the place of a war right on our doorstep. But there are people that have been involved in, in uh, having firsthand experience of some of these wars and experiences. And so we look here, Jesus is talking, and the words here that just want to rest on is he says, you know, when you hear these things, when you see these things, do not be alarmed. And this is proceeding before Jesus even goes to the cross. And so what do we do with this, this side of the resurrection? And so when we look at this, we can say, well, the wonderful part for us here in the now is that, yes, we have this grace and mercy because of what Christ has done. But this passage is talking specifically about the temple being destroyed. The physical temple. Can anyone tell me what the temple represented? It represented the presence of God. God, remember we talked about several weeks ago that God promised Moses, I will meet you above the place of the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim and my house. And the temple was the place of the, the closest, the proximity that people would have to the living God. And yet God was going to judge Israel, this temple, because of what they had made the temple to be, not what God had intended. I think we remember one story where Jesus flipped over the tables in the temple because they made a place of uh, commerce, a marketplace. And he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. And so this judgment was coming. This was God's judgment, and that he was warning them that this was going to take place. And then again, how do we bring this full circle to us, that we know that Jesus is coming back one day? And it says that as the righteous judge, he will judge the living and the dead. But the thing that I'm deeply encouraged about is that because we're in Christ, what did Jesus say in John chapter 5? That because you believe in me, you will not come under judgment, but you have passed from death to life. You will not come under judgment, but have passed from death to life. And so what we can do with this is we don't have to get wrapped up in all the particulars about the wars, the famines, the earthquakes. I mean, there's, there's no playing or messing around. It exists. We're not meant to just, you know, tune out like, la, 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 it's not happening. You know, it's not happening. We experience it, but we can have peace in those moments. Look how he says here in verse 14. Oh, sorry, in verse 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
So Jesus tells his followers, all this is going to happen. Your beloved temple, the place where you come and you bring sacrifices of praise, it's all going to be gone. Not one stone is going to be left. And so then at one point in time, they will have a task. So he's saying, when this, all this happens, you still have a task. Do not be alarmed. And so as I was researching this and digging into it and trying to make sense of how it relates to here today, we know as we look back that the temple was destroyed in 70 AD at the climax of the Roman uh, war with the Israelites. There was a time under one of the Roman emperors, forgive me, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he expelled all the Jews from Rome. And then for a time, under Emperor Nero, around A.D. 54, the Christians, the Jewish um, believers, were able to come back to Rome for a time. And then all this crazies began to happen where they started beheading Christians, and, and there was a great fire, and, and historians believe that Emperor Nero set fire to his own city and blamed it on the Christians. And then fast forward to A.D. 70, the temple the climax of this abomination of desolation in the middle part of chapter 24. He says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. We know that in about 55 AD, uh, emperor, I'm going to say his name wrong. I was memorizing it this morning. Calgulia, something like that. Who's a Roman buff? Any Roman historians in here? Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. Excellent. That's exactly who it was. And he was going to go into the temple place himself and set up, which would have been an abomination, a statue of himself in the temple. But before that could happen, the emperor was assassinated. And that, about 20 years later, we have the temple being destroyed. So here, there's two things that we learn about in Bible school. It's called double and sequential fulfillment. They were a chain of events that happened. When you read a passage, sometimes it's like, wow, there's a crazy amount of things that are happening. It almost appears like it's happening in real time, one after another, from minute to minute. But this is something that happens over a long period of time, and it has a double fulfillment. So not only was there this abominable desolation where the Romans put their own pagan symbols in the place of uh, the temple of God. But one day, the Antichrist, before our Lord Jesus returns, he will also stand in the temple. The greatest desolation of all, declaring himself to be God. And so we look at this, the rumors of wars and the famines and the earthquakes. All this is happening of birth pains us waiting for the coming kingdom of God to come in fullness. And so we can be aware of the signs. Jesus says, look at the fig tree. Learn the lesson that you know when summer is near by the sprouting of the leaves. So why go through all this? Why, why look at this passage? Is that we can be aware of the signs of the times. Be aware where we are in the God's calendar. And yet trust and not be alarmed that God isn't caught unaware. He knows everything that's happening. He has all these things provisioned and in place. There's judgment. There's also grace for the church age in which we live. But we're waiting for the age to come. When Jesus comes and reigns in fullness and power. So Adam, you might be asking, so what do I do now? 
And we've talked about a lot of these things. The most important thing that we can do is to share the gospel. Amen. That's the most important thing we can do. Instead of getting wrapped up in, you know, the, the chaos, and I get it. it, it is crazy. You know, you turn on the news, and it can put you in the dumps at times, right? But at one point in time, Jesus said, do not lose heart, for I have overcome the world. The peace that I give you is the peace that the world cannot give you. We know as biblical historians will tell us that the emperor in Rome would always declare that he's the bearer of peace and justice. Yet there was such a turnover of all these emperors and from one emperor to another would be a greater oppression from the other. As I said, under Nero, countless numbers of Christians were beheaded and hung up like jack-o'-lanterns. And yet we know the one, the Prince of Peace, the true King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, only he ushers in true, lasting peace. And so today, my encouragement to you is that no matter what's going on in the world, that we won't lose heart. We won't be alarmed. But we will trust that God knows what he's doing. He's aware of everything that's happening. It's all part of these birth pains that lead up to the great day of when Jesus returns. Let me ask you, how many of you are eagerly awaiting that day? At times I have to admit, amen, sometimes, you know, I kind of want it to be delayed. In a way, I am enjoying life like many of us do. My wife and I talk all the time. She says, you know, I just want to see my children get married. I want to see, I want to witness those things. And Jesus even references in one of these passages that, you know, people continue to be given in, in marriage. And all these festivals were going on, just like in the days of Noah. But then, bang, just like in the days of Noah, the flood came upon them suddenly. The same thing will happen with the coming day of the Lord. And so why, does it, why do we say all that? Why, why emphasize all this? Because Jesus said in this alarm, he says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, the disciples, the followers of Christ, were able to see an eyewitness account of the Son of Man coming on the clouds. You might be asking like I did, well, God, you, it's written here in the scripture that this generation won't pass away until these events take place. But Jesus Christ hasn't returned yet. And like you, I was scratching my head too. I'm like, how do you make sense of that? And uh, forgive me, I didn't write down the, the biblical scholar's name, but he was writing and saying it was just common language of the time that they were aware of this sequential, this double fulfillment of things that Jesus is quoting Daniel chapter 7, one of the prophets of God that says, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds, ascending to the Ancient of Days. And so in a way, they are seeing firsthand of count of this tremendous vindication as Jesus is being carried up into the clouds, that he truly is the King of Kings, that he's been vindicated. Not only has he died and rose again, but he's ascending to his rightful place on the throne. And if he's sitting on the throne, as we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, he's ruling still today. He sees all things. He's putting all things under his feet. And the last enemy to be defeated is death. 
And so I don't know about you, I'm deeply encouraged that he's on the throne. As our sister declared last Sunday night when we were praying together for all the different needs in the house, that she eloquently reminded us, no matter what's going on, Jesus is on his throne. Sometimes we think that that hasn't happened yet, that there's just this holding pattern that Jesus isn't fully on his throne because all this crazy and hoopla is happening in the world. But we can trust, we can rest in what Jesus has told us. This is all part of the calendar events, these birth pains as we wait the age to come. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 28 just for a moment. And so we fast forward, Jesus has died. He has rose again. He's appeared to all the different disciples. He's had a great conversation with Peter, right? Peter who denied Christ at one point. He's restored Peter. And he asked him, do you love me? He says, of course I love you, Jesus. He says, feed my sheep. And he meets with all his followers. They, they break bread together. They eat fish together. They know it's the Christ. They know that he is risen. And it says in verse 16, in chapter 28, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember... And this reaches forward to us right here, right now. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So whatever you're going through, whatever circumstance, those battles, those different things, those circumstances, remember that God is with you. He's not caught unaware of your circumstance. He's working all things together for your good. If he can work all things together, defeat the last enemy, which is death. If he can not be bound by death itself and rise again and be seated in the throne room of God, surely he can rise you, uh, raise you up and exalt you from that setback of those circumstances. So I think of our dear brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. I saw this story. Don, it might have been on your Facebook feed that I saw this, but there's a great tremendous movement that's happening in the underground church right now in Afghanistan. You would think they must all be gone by now. And the, I mean, the facts are too that there have been unfortunately many casualties, brothers and sisters in Christ that have lost their lives. But there's two accounts I want to share with you. One is, Apparently, there's an underground church, as there's many, out of one of them, they have grown from just, you know, dozens of them to about 2,500 in a matter of days. And there's one account that was on Facebook, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm taking its word for it. I don't know. I haven't fact-checked this thing. I usually go to the Daily Wire to, to see these stories of these accounts. But the story goes something like this, that there's a prayer partner somewhere in the United States that's connected with one of these underground churches. And while they're on the phone with this underground church, the leader of the underground church is thanking the people in America for their prayers. America, a place of safety, a place of refuge. Thank you for your prayers, and we can't explain it, but we now have this incredible boldness to see 
to be able to face what lays before us. Little did the prayer partners on the other line realize that there was an insurgency that was moving through house to house. And while they were on the call, after they said those words about the prayers, thanking from the prayers, they heard gunfire. And the line went dead. And the reports are that entire underground church was wiped out. But there's an incredible story, and I think of my own kids when I think of this, that before that happened, you have the adults, right? And there's families, but there were kids, children that said, but mom and dad, mom and dad, we will not deny the name of Jesus. I thought, my goodness, they're not alarmed with the situation, the insurgents knocking on doors. You can imagine if you hear the sound of an AK-47, and yet they're not alarmed. And I'm sure that they, you know, the gunfire, the, the bullets were flying, that you would hear just the emotion of we're flesh and blood, we have pains. But they said we would not deny, and we can trust and we can believe that they are with Jesus. And we can use their story, their account, um, to bolden us, if you will, if that's even the right word, to quicken us, to say if they can do, if these young children, if these people in these underground churches can face this these even famines at times and wars and rumors of wars that are so tangible. Surely, here, this side in Canada, with all the blessings we have, we can face, you know, incredible things, but we have not yet been tested like they have. And so I just want to encourage you to, when that day comes, not to be alarmed, not to be discouraged, but our, our, our God, our Creator, Jesus Christ, he has us in the palm of his hand. I know we used to sing this in Sunday school. He's got the whole world in his hands. But it is true. Jesus said, my father, who he has given to me, who trusts in me, I will not lose one of them. But will give them everlasting life. And so again, I say all that to say, trust in Jesus when the alarm bells are going off, when you see signs in the heavens, signs in our landscape, all the different things that are happening and going on. Do not lose heart. Rather, like our brothers, sisters in these war-torn places, let's be encouraged to worship him even when we face difficult circumstance. I'm going to invite Ron and the worship team to come back as we respond in a time of worship. I think every moment in time, we have an opportunity to respond. This message isn't meant to, you know, sucker punch you in the gut, but rather just a reminder, kind of a shaking, because it says in the passage, Jesus is talking about that the Father, he's going to shake things. Sometimes we need to be shaken. We need to reestablish ourselves and not put our trust in the structures and the things that we're so uh, accustomed to, the things that we look to for peace and safety. All that can vanish in an instant. And so as they lead us in a time of worship, be encouraged. Be encouraged that God hasn't forgotten you. And if I could, you know, as a, a shepherd of this local place that I'm just deeply honored there's power in reading the word of God for yourself. To carve out that time, even if it's a matter of a few minutes, just to read through. And I'm telling you, I promise you, as you read, the word says that the Lord's word will not return void. That it's useful and profitable in all things. It speaks to the heart, the joints and marrow. 
And as the worship team plays, there's some words at the end of one of my favorite uh, passages of scripture, also one of my dad's, my late father's favorite passage as well, in Psalm 139. It says right at the end, when it talks about how we've been intricately and beautifully woven together and created by God, at the very end it says, whether I am asleep or awake, I am with him. Whether I'm asleep or awake, I am with him. And so as they sing these words, I don't know what uh, song they're planning on singing, but let those words wash over you, that he's with you. Do not be alarmed, I am with you. I'm just gonna invite you as they play to close your eyes just for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are with us. The mo every moment of every day. As we look around the world and we see all the things that are happening, sometimes it's difficult to make sense where you are in the midst of it all. And Lord, we thank you then for your word that tells us where you are, that you're with us, you're mindful of the situation, that you're working all things together for our good and all this is part of your plan and there's, there's things that come into alignment that you have predestined. And that we can trust that because we believe in you, that we have been marked by you with a seal of your promised Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us in all things, to walk fast after you. To walk in love and humbly before you, Lord God. Lord, as we come to worship in response to your word, Show us your way. Quicken these mortal bodies, quicken our spirit to share your word, Lord, to in, not only endure, but to share the gospel because we know that at any time you can return. Use us, Lord, in Jesus' name.